What's up, everybody? Coming to you live once again from my parents' house. We don't have a Changavi show today. We actually have an emergency podcast. Ooh, fancy title. Clickbaity. Oh my God, what's going on? Well, I just thought, well, this week I actually couldn't do a Changavi show because I got boosted a couple days ago. You know, I like saying that word. I've been enjoying saying that word for the last couple days. I got boosted. And so I was kind of down to the last couple days here, a little tired little out of it. Uh, couldn't do it, but I have a whole one prep for next week. So get excited for that because it'll be a lot of fun. But anyway, I thought I would do a little emergency podcast because there's been a couple of headlines that have been on my mind and things I've been researching for the last three, four, five days that I want to get across to the people. I want to talk. I want to have this conversation. Now, there's two ones in particular, though, two headlines that have stood out to me that I've been thinking a lot about, and I want to present that information to you guys. You can uh, do your own further research and come to your own conclusions, but here we go. Uh, The first thing I want to talk about related to the world of sports, uh, but not really because it's uh, not any of the sports on my wall, actually. Novak Djokovic. I know I've talked a lot about tennis on this podcast. Um, I, you know, I've done a lot of uh, things about the Australian or like about the Grand Slam chase and about how tennis is a very underappreciated sport, which it is consistently is extremely underappreciated. People who hate on tennis, like, bruh, it is, it's probably one of the more dramatic sports you'll see. Um, but anyway, uh, about tennis. So, Novak Djokovic, for those of you that don't know, is the number one tennis player in the world, okay? This guy has 20 grand slams. He's been the top tennis player in the world for almost two, three years right now. He's gone through a real pretty dominant stretch here um, over the last couple of years when tennis has been played because, you know, due to COVID, there hasn't really been a lot of uh, traveling to tournaments and all of that stuff. But Djokovic has been in the media recently for not his play, but rather his uh, vaccination status, unfortunately. And we have a very, very complicated case at hand. So what is the case, Anuj? What's going on? Okay, so let's start out with this. Australia hosts the first Grand Slam event of the year, the Australian Open in Melbourne. Melbourne, sorry, I didn't say that right. It's hosted in Melbourne. It happens every year around, you know, second, third week of January, last two weeks, and the winner is crowned. And that is the first major event of the year. It takes place every January. Australia, uh, a couple months ago, back in October or November, uh, in light of knowing that this big, that a lot of big tournaments and big sporting events were going to come to the country in 2022, released uh, vaccine rules basically saying that in order to enter Australia, you have to be vaccinated. And Australia already has amongst the world's countries is and continents is like amongst one of the most vaccinated populations in the world. Uh, so it's like upwards of 80%, I believe, of, his, of their population is uh, completely vaccinated. They're doing really well with those numbers. And so thus, those policies were released. And Australia has actually been in lockdown the longest out of any part of the world due to the coronavirus crisis. So in light of all of this, we have the stage is set. Okay, a lot of strict vaccine regulations, all of this stuff. So Novak Djokovic, 
Uh, and let's talk about Novak Djokovic because, you know, he's obviously a critical part to the story. Djokovic is the world number one tennis player, okay? He is striving to win his 21st Grand Slam to officially become the greatest player of all time in many tennis, tennis analysts' eyes. The more Grand Slams you win, uh, the greater of a player you are. And if he wins 21, no other player has won more than 20. So he would thus be the GOAT. So this is a very important event for him to be at. Uh, particularly because a lot of the big threats are not playing due to injury, COVID, et cetera, et cetera. So Novak Djokovic wants to be there. He applied for a medical exemption to the tournament because the tournament was like, you have to be vaccinated, otherwise you can't play. So he applied for a medical exemption, exemption to try to get out of it. He was approved for that medical exemption. A lot of people in Australia were not happy when he was approved of that medical exemption. Um, and there was also a lot of speculation going into the tournament as to whether Djokovic was vaccinated or not. It was turns out that he is confirmed that uh, to be unvaccinated and uh, the exception, uh, which the medical exemption exemption we found out um, a couple days ago was that he tested positive for COVID in December when he was in Serbia. But we'll get we'll get to that later. OK, so Novak Djokovic flies from Serbia to Australia or his home base in Europe uh, to Australia. He gets to Australia and upon arrival in Australia, he is detained by the Border Patrol as soon as he gets there because uh, and they cited a problem with his visa. And the customs crew kind of wants to ask him more questions, wants more information. So he was trapped in the airport for about six, seven, eight hours at this point. He wasn't allowed to leave. Uh, the Border Patrol kept questioning him. And they basically came to the result that his visa was invalid and they wanted to deport him back to Serbia. That was the point. He was going to get deported. And so at this point, Novak Djokovic is like, wait, I have the medical exemption. I did everything the right way. So let me get my lawyers involved. Okay, so then they go to the court. They appeal the case for Djokovic saying he had this exemption. And they also cite the poor treatment by the Australian border guards saying that they used, quote unquote, interrogation techniques that were, you know, unconstitutional, I guess, by Australia's standards and blah, blah, blah. So it led to this whole thing. As a result, as a result of this case, note the, the decision last week was overturned by the Australian government that the Border Patrol made. So the local government in Melbourne. OK, I want to make this very clear. Right now, Djokovic went to go appeal this to the people in Melbourne, to the court of Melbourne. So the court of Melbourne basically said, OK, we're going to overturn the Border Patrol's decision and uh, allow Novak into the country of Australia. As a result. A lot of backlash from the people of Australia. People are all over the world and world leaders are actually in, starting to get involved in this because the Serbian prime minister went on the record saying that he, along with Novak's dad, were about to heavily protest this decision and wreak havoc. These were words coming from literal world leaders. So, I mean, Djokovic is a big deal, right? He's the, world, he's the number one tennis player in the world. But like, I'm trying to put that in an American context. Imagine if Joe Biden went on the record defending uh, an unvaccinated Aaron Rodgers because, you know, he was supposed to go play, uh, you know, a tournament in, in another country, right, and saying he would wage war in the streets. That would be a massive deal. That would be all over news outlets. It's a big freaking deal. Okay. Novak Djokovic's dad has also gone on the record in Serbian media and said that he is going to threaten to wage war in the streets if the choice is if the decision was overturned. Okay, so at this point, we're thinking, okay, the decision was flipped. Like I said, Djokovic was allowed to play. He was practicing in Melbourne, getting ready for the tournament, so on and so forth, living his life. Then 
the decision got uh, got in the hands of the federal court. Uh, so the federal court of Australia got the decision. And the Australian and the initial decision cited the unfair treatment that he was given to him at the airport with Border Patrol and the interrogations and all of that stuff. And he was scheduled to play in the tournament. The draw happens. Okay, so the draw in tennis is like, you know, like how you're basically who you're scheduled to play, what section of the draw you're in. It's kind of like, you know, the tournament, like determining who you're going to play. He was in the draw. He was selected as the number one overall seed in the tournament. Okay, so he is he is scheduled to play. He's on the draw. He's on the schedule. But then. Last night, last night at around 1030, the. Australian Minister of Immigration released his decision saying that the v overturning the Melbourne court and putting a federal decision on it saying that Novak Djokovic would not be allowed in Australia for three years. So he is being re-deported back from Australia unless his lawyers appeal, which it is looking very likely that they will. And there's going to be a key, an appeal probably going on later tonight, our time. And we're going to find out a decision very, very soon. Going to be very interesting to see how that all goes up. Uh, so he is technically kicked out of the country as we speak. He's being detained until the appeal. But here's the thing. You're like, when does this tournament start? This tournament starts in two days. The appeal is going to have to happen tomorrow. But we're also dealing with Australian time, and I don't necessarily know how all the time zones work, so it's a little difficult, and I can't necessarily tell you what the answer is. But it's there is a lot of things going into that. But also, let's go back to Djokovic for a second, right? Because you're saying, oh, he's unvaccinated. It was his choice. He followed the rules of the tournament. Shouldn't he be in Australia? That's fair. But here's the thing. Djokovic, let's just say in the past, has not handled the COVID crisis particularly well. When COVID first took place in March, it was being heavily hit all throughout Europe, particularly Eastern Europe and Serbia, where he's from. And Novak Djokovic went ahead and organized a big time tennis event within the country of Serbia, um, where, you know, matches were located in three different major cities. No, like all the fans, no masking requirements, et cetera, et cetera. Peak pandemic. I'm, I'm talking March, April. He organized it. And obviously, uh, a lot of the players got COVID. A lot of the fans got COVID. And um, and it wasn't, you know, a good look, I would say, for, for Djokovic, particularly in his handling of the pandemic. So that didn't, you know, wasn't looked at as a good decision on my part. I mean, I think a lot of people also would believe that it wasn't the best decision to do that, uh, to organize an event. But also, he tested positive for COVID back in December. And he actually attended several events during him testing positive for COVID. So he went to a tennis clinic uh, in Serbia uh, with the COVID positive test. Um, and he said he didn't know about that, which is fine because he got the test later that did the PCR test done later that day. And he, it was found out that he, uh, he didn't know about um, that. He was a COVID positive case. That's fine. Right. Okay. You didn't know, whatever. It's feeling no symptoms. It happens. Shit happens. What are you going to do then? But then here's the weird part is this guy Djokovic went and did an interview with a Serbian journalist a couple of days later, knowing full while he had a COVID positive test, there was, was not uncommon knowledge to him. He knew exactly what was going on. So he had a COVID positive test. He attended an interview with a journalist and knew he had COVID. 
and he called it a lack of judgment uh, on his part, which, I mean, I think it's pure stupidity. I also think that he must have hidden this for the, from the journalist because I think anybody with decent common sense would not show up to an interview uh, knowing that you were COVID positive. So I don't know exactly what was going on there, but he did show up to this interview uh, with being COVID positive. So there is some uh, lack of judgment errors, I think, on uh, on Djokovic's part, in my opinion. I, you know, there are a lot of people out there that would say that's fine, but I think I think you're wrong. Then Djokovic in the past has had a history of being anti-science, uh, particularly with the way that he is dieted, et cetera, et cetera. And this behavior has clearly continued into the vaccination process and his skepticism with the vaccine. Um, you know, he's been anti-climate change in the past. He's made comments about, you know, mind control, et cetera, et cetera. A little, little weird things, but nothing this crazy. Now we're in a full-blown like international crisis to the point where he could be deported tomorrow or he could be over, the decision could be overturned again and he'll be allowed to play in Melbourne. But I think here's the main point. If he decides to play in Melbourne and he's on the schedule for Monday morning to play that match, he is going to be booed like crazy throughout this entire tournament. I don't think there's going to be a single fan in the stands that's happy to see him. Uh, my my dad was a big Djokovic fan, and his exact quote was, I've lost all respect for the man. And I think that is very uh, – that is a – that is the sentiment that is coming out of there. Uh, a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people agree with his decision here with the uh, with the vaccine and the way that he's handled this particular situation. In my opinion, I don't think I don't think that uh, that people have. I, these are the people I'm surrounded by, and they seem to really disagree. I, I'm curious if you guys do agree with what he's been doing or any of that. But it's a very complicated situation. A lot of laws are involved. I was reading a lot about Aussie law yesterday. Uh, it was too complicated law doctrines and all sorts of crap. Um, definitely more of a lawyer thing. Uh, definitely will consult. Maybe I'll consult a lawyer. How about that? Maybe I'll consult a lawyer and give you the update uh, on what's going on. But the conclusion is right now the case is being uh, appealed, I guess, in federal government, and they're going to we're going to see what the decision is by the government and uh, and figure it out from there. So. If he does get to play, if he gets, if he does get to play the tournament, it's you know fans are going to boo, and if he doesn't get to play the tournament, then I think it's going to send a message to the rest of the world about vaccinations and about the rules that Australia has. So we'll see, we'll see how this all goes. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. That's the first headline, okay? That's the first headline. I know it was a little long, but it, it's a saga. It's been going on. I think it's it's relevant news right now, particularly in the world of athletics. It's been trending all over Twitter. A lot of people are talking about it, even outside the tennis world. So I figured I would bring it up, and I think it's an important point uh, and an important headline to be uh, talked about. And then I want to talk about something uh, a little a little more speculative, but also something I think equally as important. Um, it, we are in 2022. We are two years away from 2024, uh, the almighty presidential election. I know, okay, we should be focused on the midterms first, totally. But I am someone who likes to think ahead and likes to get ahead with his content. So I decided to make a way too early presidential candidates list for 2024. Okay, so let's go through this real quick. Let's talk about the presidential election of 2024. So 
for the there's two sides right obviously there's obviously going to be third party candidates but i don't believe they're right now i don't know of any third party candidates that are going to get a considerable voting percentage unless donald trump decides to uh break away from the republican party and go his own way, which could very well happen. You never know. Uh, but I don't think that there's going to be a third party in this election that makes a significant dent or a third party candidate, at least of two years before the election. I don't know. Maybe in 2023, there could be a rise. I have no idea. But here's what I'm looking at. So Joe Biden is obviously uh, the incumbent. He's only served one term. He's definitely eligible to run for a second term here in office. Uh, but for the Democrats, I don't believe that Joe Biden is going to run. There is a chance he could, but I just, I have a feeling he's not going to. He's going to be 82 by the time we hit 2024. Uh, you know, I'm sure he's healthy and I'm sure the American government isn't necessarily lying about his health. Uh, but I just, I don't believe that he is, uh, he's going to want to spend, he's he's going to want to be like 86 and be end his term as the president of the United States. He's already amongst one of the oldest candidates, I believe, or oldest presidents, if not the oldest um, and I do think that's a concern, but there is, I, I believe in my heart that there's a chance that he could drop out of the race and just, you know, leave it up to an open election between Democrats and Republicans. So I'm going off that hypothetical that Joe Biden is going to drop out and say that he's not going to do it because I don't think he's going to run, uh, personally in my heart. So let's start with the Democrats first. Okay. Who are the possible people that if Joe Biden says no, who is going to take over his spot as the Democratic nominee? I have a list of a few people, so let's go through it. Obviously, number one, the first person that you think of is Kamala Harris, right? Uh, she is, she's been the vice president. She has like the best resume, I think, uh, just from a resume standpoint, from a pure accomplishment standpoint as to what she, the position she's been in in politics, she has the best resume. Attorney General of California, Senator of California, vice president. She's kind of gone up the traditional ladder to get to the presidential position. She's served in a lot of positions. She's been around politics. She knows her way around these people and she knows her way around DC. She's done it before. She's also run back in 2020, given that campaign uh, crashed and burned, but she definitely does have a shot in 2024 if Joe Biden doesn't run. Her popularity has only increased, I believe, since she's taken over the vice presidential position, even though in my heart it's decreased because I just don't like her at all. I never have liked Kamala Harris. Uh, but I think from a campaigning standpoint, like she she has all the all the qualifications down. She can relate to the people somewhat. She relates to minorities. She relates to women. She, I think she's really uh, inspiring that young liberal demographic, which like, cool, good for you. So it's going to be very interesting to see how it all breaks down. But I do believe that uh, she is going to, uh, if she, if Joe Biden doesn't run, she's definitely a big favorite. I, for me, though, I don't know how moderate Democrats are going to vote for her. But in this era of political polarization, it seems to be that the left is just very progressive now. And most of these candidates are tend to lead more progressive. I do see the appeal. Uh, again, could be very, very interesting. But we'll see how it all kind of shakes out. But if not Kamala Harris, right, hypothetically, if she doesn't, if she decides not to run in 2022, which I highly doubt, or 2024, which I highly doubt she would. She definitely would. Who, who, who do you think can beat her in the primary? I have a few names. How about Pete Buttigieg? Pete Buttigieg was my personal favorite back in 2020. Full transparency. Uh, I do believe he's a solid candidate. 
Um, he had an infrastructure bill that passed during. So he's the transportation secretary right now in the Biden administration. He has had an infrastructure bill that passed during uh, that passed during this administration. It was a huge victory. He brought together Democrats and Republicans to get it done. It was a bipartisan bill, one of the few pieces of legislation that was bipartisan, and it's being um, executed. Uh, there's like a $1.2 trillion bill. It's one of the marquee pieces of legislation that Joe Biden, if he runs, and Kamala Harris, if she runs, will cite as a part of their accomplishments um, in, in this presidential election cycle. He is a moderate. He does lean definitely more moderate. And I think that does appeal to a different sect of Democrats. He's also from that kind of Midwest area. So that definitely gets you those swing voters that you may need. We saw he won Iowa in the caucuses back in 2020. He could definitely do that again. Um, his nature seems very calm and composed. And I think that personality is definitely going to be something that I look for as a voter. I don't know about you, but he seems very open to listen to the other side, considering the fact that he has worked on one of the only pieces of bipartisan legislation that we've seen in the last 10, 15 years uh, at this regard. Like that's a, that's a huge accomplishment. And I do like Pete, but the thing for Pete and the question for him is going to be this African-American voters. Back in 2020, he had a very tough time getting African-American voters. Joe Biden didn't, and that's why he won the election. That's why when he won South Carolina, basically the whole Democratic primary dropped out except Bernie Sanders. He had a very tough time relating to African-American voters. I wonder what he's going to do. I wonder what Pete's going to do if he runs again. He's also openly LGBTQ, which I have no problem with, but I know there are people in this country that definitely do. Um, but I feel like if you're a Democrat, you probably shouldn't because they've definitely put their stake in positive LGBTQ policy, but whatever. Um, it's going to, I think it's going to be a tough ask for Pete. I don't think he has the resume necessarily that, uh, Kamala Harris does, but I do think that he could make a run here in these primaries. He's done it before. I don't necessarily know if he wants to do it again. There's been no reports. I think he's focused on his transportation secretary job, as he rightfully should be. And uh, we'll see, maybe come 2023, if he decides to run again, or if he decides to maybe um, back off in 2024 and gain a uh, a more powerful position within maybe, maybe he's going to hope that a Democratic candidate wins in 24 and he gets another powerful, and th then he gets another cabinet position so he can further strengthen that resume uh, so he can run in the future. But I think Pete Buttigieg, I would definitely... Uh, think that he is one of the challengers in my opinion. Elizabeth Warren. Okay, this one's interesting. See, this I wrote her on my list, but I don't think that she's going to run for president in 2024. Coming into 2020, she was looked at as one of the heavy favorites. It was her, Kamala Harris, and um who is the other one? I'm I'm not forgetting the uh, I'm forgetting the other uh the other person, but I think Elizabeth Warren was a heavy favorite, I remember. Early on in the primary, she was well liked. I thought she was going to like if Biden didn't run in 2020, she was definitely like one of the favorites to get out of the Democratic primary. And uh, she didn't do very well in 2020. I thought she was very overshadowed at the debates. She looked underprepared. She looked um she looked very indecisive at points. I don't know. Warren to me is interesting, but she is progressive. A lot of younger women like her a lot. She, like I said, heavy favorite headed into 2020, but she lost a lot of that steam and got overpowered in the debates, I guess, by more powerful personalities. And, you know, she did get checked a couple times for sure. Um, 
I don't think she'll run again. In my opinion, I do not think that she's going to run because she is focused on winning re-election in Massachusetts in the Senate. I think she will win that election. Uh, but she, I think she's focused on that re-election campaign. And I think she wants to kind of remain in the Senate for a little bit. She might make a run in a couple years, but I don't think 24 might is her year, but she's on this list. Cause I could very well see her definitely putting her hat into the ring or putting her, uh, uh, name into the hat. Here's another one that I think you guys are going to be interested by. Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Okay. I know she's only been a representative. I know she's young and I know she doesn't have the experience, but she's got appeal. She's got tremendous appeal. She's amongst one of the most followed members of, uh, amongst one of the most, uh, has one of the biggest social media followings out of a lot of representatives that we see. Um, and she's a huge name and she's Gen Z's queen. People call her that in Gen Z. She she has the strongest, I think, voting coalition out of all of the Democratic primary candidates. She decides to run. Okay. I personally don't, I personally don't like her in terms of her policies. She has mass appeal though. And let me tell you why. I like her story a lot. I like her hustle. I like her drive. I like the fact that she went from student loans and waiting tables and bartending to winning a pres a representative seat in a very competitive district in New York. And I think who says she can't do it again and win president? She's got the base to do it. A lot of people like her. She's progressive. She's different. And she's a fresh face. And I can definitely see that kind of being sort of an anti-Trump effect of sorts on the left. She could definitely do some damage. And I think that she's definitely one to look out for. She's a lot of youngins and minorities. Uh, she's got those wrapped around her finger. But I think it's going to be really difficult for her to relate to old people. If I'm, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest, like, I don't think there's a lot of old people that are exactly excited to vote for AOC if she would uh, win president. Uh, I think the only old man that really likes her is Bernie Sanders. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I had to do it. Uh, but she does seem like she kind of doesn't want to be president for now. I think she wants to strengthen that resume so that, you know, maybe further on into the 2030s, maybe she makes a run as, at the presidency. She's got time. She's very young. Um, and... She, I think she's real. What she's really focused on is challenging Chuck Schumer for the Senate majority spot. I think that's where she's headed um, this particular year in 2022. I think she wants a New York Senate seat. She's been in the representative. She's been in the House for quite a while. She's done really well there. Um, you know, built the base. People are just going to continue to vote for her. Uh, but I think she wants to like up her political career and win a Senate spot. And I feel like if she does that, then uh, you know you could be looking at a presidential run in a few years from now, but I don't think 24 is her year. If she's in the race, if she puts her name into the hat, I think she has an outside chance to win. Uh, she's a big name, but she's also going to make life hell for the democratic administration. Oh my Lord. The democratic party is going to hate having her as uh, the candidate. We saw the same treatment with Bernie of sorts. It's going to be the same thing here. I would not be shocked. Okay. I'm going to give you a couple more names and then we'll move on to the Republicans. Stacey Abrams is another name I've been thinking about. Um, I know a lot of people like she's fresh in people's heads, uh, you know, just for like being a big activist in Georgia and really doing a lot of work with the voting rights and all of that stuff and down in uh, Georgia. But she's going for the governorship. She lost it in 2018 by a little bit to Brian Kemp. Um, I think she's going to try to win it. She has to try and win the, the governorship first before she goes for president. And I think if she wins the governorship, she's not going to run. Uh, 
But I do think if it's a very close race and it garners that national attention, she could definitely have like that Beto O'Rourke effect where like Beto had that really close house race in 2018 with Ted Cruz. And he garnered a lot of national attention for being like a significant Democratic candidate trying to take down an established Republican. And he almost got it. I feel like Stacey Abrams could have that effect. And I feel like if she does do that, she could definitely run for president and she loses. Uh, But if she wins, I think she obviously uh, runs out the governorship first. And then uh, a presidential run could be waiting in her future if she continues uh, the governorship there in Georgia. Um, but I think if she could 100% be like the Beto O'Rourke of 2020, where she's uh, she thinks she has a lot of clout and a lot of social media hype and decides to run for president in, uh, in 2024. Uh, but I think she's not going to have the numbers and the clout to compete. Uh, and I think it'll be realized very quickly. Like Beto realized it really quickly when he was up there at the presidential debates, like, oh shit, like I'm, I can't, I, I don't have the numbers. And I think that's going to be the case here with Stacey Abrams. So yeah. And uh, another name, Beto O'Rourke, I think, you know, he's in that category too, but he's running for governor of Texas this year, uh, for 2022. That's confirmed. So we'll see when's that governorship. Uh, I think, I mean, obviously it's going to be the governor, but if he doesn't, then, you know, (laughs) <laughs> will he run again? I, I don't think he will. I have a feeling he won't, but we'll see. Okay, last name for the Democratic Party. I think this one's really important. And then we're going to move on to the grand old party. Mitch Landrio. I know you guys have never heard of this name before. You guys are like, who the hell is this? Unless you're from New Orleans. Mitch Landrio. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not even saying his name right. This dude is intriguing. Watch him. Okay. I need to do more research about Mitch Landro. I couldn't find much about him, but he he seems really interesting. And he seems like he's one of my favorite Democratic candidates so far. Do I think he's going to win? No. But is he one of my favorites? Yes. Why? Let me get into it. I think people who execute stuff and actually put those action plans in or plans into action and it's seen, the results are very visible to even like the normal American citizen. I think you are a good politician. Does Mitch Landro have the clout? No, not outside of New Orleans. He's got the resume for sure. Let's go through his resume real quick. Former mayor of New Orleans, okay? During Hurricane Katrina, he basically got elected around 2007, 2008, and he brought that city back from the brink, okay? You know what New Orleans was like after Katrina, and you know about the incredible rebound that took place. Mitch Landro was the guy behind that whole thing. He knew the infrastructure. He signed lots of legislation to make sure that that city returned to the amazing, uh, lively, vibrant city that is New Orleans. He now, right now, is in charge of executing that. Remember that $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that Buttigieg kind of wrote and then Biden you know, passed and it was passed and all that. He is the head of executing this infrastructure bill that Joe Biden is doing because you know, of his tremendous success in Katrina. Uh, so if he exec- if Mitch Landro executes this bill, if he really does it well, I think he's going to have a really good reputation. And I think if he wants to run in 2024, he is going to have the clout to do so. I'm telling you. 
He's been extremely sharp on the environment and disaster relief. He's extremely well-liked by Republicans and Democrats of Louisiana. There are a lot of politicians that really like him. Um, the people, he also had very high approval ratings as the mayor of New Orleans was elected multiple times. Um, he also was really being, he has his own racial injustice nonprofit. He's done a lot of great work for that. Uh, so he is a candidate. He is, seems to be definitely more moderate. Uh, so not really a young people's guy. He's not a radical, uh, but he is very interesting. Mitch Landro. Um, and he's taken down, he was taken down Confederate statues back in 2017 before anybody was even talking about it. So he's been ahead of the game here. So watch out for this dude, Mitch Landro. I think he's a little, he's a, he's a dark horse for sure. Uh, definitely kind of unknown right now, but I think he could make some noise. I really, I, I think he could be kind of that mayor Pete sort of role from 2020. I would not be surprised if Mitch Landro throws his, throws himself into the fire uh, and gets into this presidential debate. I think he can cause some noise early. I think he's real good at what he does. Uh, and he's done a lot of good stuff. So exciting, exciting stuff. We'll see what happens with the Democrats. But that's all. This is keep in mind, that's all hypothetical. If Joe Biden runs, none of those names matter. Okay. But if Joe Biden doesn't run, oh, it's an open game. And those are some of the guys and girls that maybe uh you should pay attention to. Okay, let's go to the let's go to the Republicans real quick. I gotta run this through. GOP candidates that I think run. This is completely open. So it's open to everybody because, you know, obviously a Republican didn't win. So there's no incumbent. So anybody can run in 2024. So let's go through it real quick. And let me tell you about some of the names that I think are going to stand out here. Donald J. Trump. I think he's the first one, right? Obviously. I mean, do I, do I really have to explain this one? I feel like everybody knows he's brash. He's loud. He's extreme. The appeal is there. He's got this big base of white people that love him. Um, and he could very well, if he decides to go for the Republican nomination, just run away with it and uh, never look back. It's true. Uh, he's been teasing this comeback since he, since overturning the votes, since saying that he won the election back in 2020. I think he could very well win it now, uh, in 2024. Let's see if he ends up pulling it off. I let's see if he ends up even saying yes to the nomination. He actually officially has not, but the second he does is the second this race starts for the GOP, because I don't know who is going to, who thinks that they have the base to run against him. I, I really don't know at this point. Then there's the list of candidates that would run and have a shot if theoretically Donald Trump doesn't run. So let's go through it again. Let's go through it real quick. So you got Nikki Haley. I think so. Nikki Haley. This is the this is another candidate that I think in the GOP. If Donald Trump does not run, I think she will run, and I think she has a good shot at the GOP. I think she's one of the more well liked Republican officials under Donald Trump. Uh, she was a former ambassador to the UN, so she has that foreign policy experience, which is which should be emphasized, but particularly with uh, you know her going to be the head of state if she were to be president. She's a former governor of South Carolina. Uh, she has that, that um, experience of leading a state. Uh, she is also Indian. Uh, that does not matter at all. But I'm just pointing out her name is Nimrata, and uh, you know. Her last name's Haley because she married a guy by the name of Michael Haley. But that's totally beside the point. Young people hate Nikki Haley. I don't personally align with Nikki Haley on a lot of her views. She's extremely conservative. Highly conservative. Lot to dislike, particularly if you're on the left. But she's going to make waves if DJT doesn't run because she 
And it's pretty well liked by that strong Republican base. And they're going to stick together. And I think they got Nikki Haley's back if she decides to run and really make a run at this. Because she's very, very popular right now. Right now in 2022. By the time 2023 rolls around, she could have committed some scandal that makes her canceled. But I think right now Nikki Haley's a big name. And I think people should be watching for her. She's pro-life. Extremely conservative socially. Extremely conservative when it comes to the economy. Um, but she could make a run. She could really make a run here. I can see it. Nikki Haley, that's a name you should watch. Okay, I'm going to go to this next name. And you guys might freak out a little bit, particularly if you know your American history. Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney. Yeah. Okay, listen. I know her dad's really bad. Her dad was a bad person. I've talked about it. He did horrible things in Iraq, in Afghanistan. Terrible things. But recently, Liz has made a lot of political noise. She's one of the only Republicans to stand up to Donald Trump. And she has been raising crazy amounts of money. I think last quarter of 2021, she raised $1.9 million for her reelection campaign in Wyoming. Uh, and she's been raising this money because Donald Trump has made her target number one to get rid of as a representative of Wyoming. Wyoming only has one representative because, you know, the fucking electoral college is stupid. Uh, and she only has, it only has one representative and she is the one. Liz Cheney is the representative for the state of Wyoming. Uh, she voted to impeach Donald Trump, uh, one of the only Republicans to do so. And I think she is definitely, she is very conservative. She is conservative, but she does lean moderate to, you know, kind of maybe, I don't want to say liberal, but like, yeah, she does lean moderate on a lot of social issues, probably because of the fact that she is a woman and she does tend to vote for uh, issues that support fellow women. I don't, I'm unsure about her abortion stance though. Uh, it's something to look into. Will she say, you know, yes and do it? I don't know. Time's going to tell, but right now she definitely has a lot of political momentum on her side as a today. Uh, she has the clout, obviously, with her father being the vice president. Uh, she has the appeal that I think both, both sides of the coin would like her. She's a woman. She has stood up to Donald Trump, uh, which is something that I think a lot of Republicans, a lot of Democrats would get on and they would, they could rep that. She is, you know, she, like I said, single representative of Wyoming. She kind of has a lot of responsibilities. Uh, the Republican Party is trying to take her out politically. So you can tell. I think people can sort of start to tell Liz Cheney is not necessarily ultra conservative, but she's, you know, she's, she's still a Republican. But, you know, the, her party doesn't really like her right now because, you know, she's been trying to she's been saying that Trump was wrong and she's been very anti-Trump uh, very recently. We'll see what happens, though. But I think she's a name that a lot of people aren't talking about, but could be very, very enticing come 2024. Uh, the only thing I worry about with Liz Cheney is if her father, you know, even becomes a special advisor in that office, I will cry because that's just like, oh God, Dick Cheney, he's already done so much bad. He's going to continue to make this country worse, particularly in a politically polarized era that we live in now. Okay. A few more names. I promise. I'm going to go quick. Mitt Romney. Let's talk Mitt Romney for a second. If this man runs, I'm going to be the happiest person in the world. I Mitt for president in 2024. I'm already signing my endorsement behind him. Yeah. Mitt Romney runs 2024. We win. Uh, the Avi show is happy. I genuinely think he's one of the few decent Republicans left. Um, he's someone that you could really get behind uh, because he he actually, his voting record, he votes with Biden 70% of the time as a senator. That's crazy. Okay. If you can get behind Mitt Romney, 
you're sorry. If you get behind Joe Biden, you can get behind Mitt Romney. I'm sorry. If you're a big Biden fan, you're a big Romney fan. Okay. That's just, they vote very similarly. They're very similar as politicians. They're very similar as men. He isn't doing very well politically with his approval though. And that's kind of sad. And he's very removed from that 2012 run where he did win in the uh, Republican primary and went on to lose to Obama uh, relatively uh, convincingly. <laughs> but I do think if he can get out of this GOP primary, he's a serious threat to take the position in 2024. I think he could beat Biden. If it was Biden versus Romney, I'm voting Romney all the way. I think he really uh, has a good understanding of the issues. He's been in politics for a really long time. His resume speaks for itself. He's experienced. He knows exactly what's up and he's run for president before. Uh, so I think that there is a lot of uh, good values there. But the real question there is, is Romney going to want to run? Because his opinion is so valued in the Senate for being super experienced and they absolutely love him in the Senate. He's been on the Foreign Affairs Committee. He knows exactly, you know, his foreign policy is very strong. He knows uh, he knows a lot about a lot. He's been in politics for for quite some time, and he's never going to lose that position in Utah. It's like it's his. It's basically like he's the king of the Senate, right? Like he may not be the majority leader or anything, but like people really like Romney. So he's he's chilling like a villain, sitting there in the Senate, just like you know, being there. And the question for Romney really is like, is he does he want to give that up? Does he want to give that up to grind out another presidential run where he's all come up, come so close last time? Does he really want to put himself through that? I don't know. Could it happen? Maybe. Do the people want to see it? I don't think so. But hey, hey, if Romney makes it, if Romney makes it to the general election, I'd be, I'd be a happy man. But he's going to want to run. He's going to have to want to run first. But I think there's going to be a lot of Democrats who are more moderate. That might flip. Might flip, depending on the candidates, of course. But I think I think Mitt Romney is is a really he was very underrated in 2012, and I think I I really do uh, like him because he he's also been anti-Trump too. You know, he's a Republican. He's anti-Trump, and I think he's one of the last DC. He's kind of in that McCain class, in my opinion, of like Republicans who like have conservative values, but at the end of the day, like. They want what's best for America. And I think Mitt Romney is one of those people. Okay, let's move on to someone completely different. Ron DeSantis. DeSantis is the Florida governor. He's kind of a Trump-like figure, in my opinion. I think he's going to definitely sort of take that role on if Donald Trump doesn't run. So he's definitely on a very much an extreme platform, super socially conservative, super conservative in general, loudmouth. Uh, governor of Florida. I mean, I shouldn't have to explain anymore. Like, he's just very not he was handled COVID very nonchalantly in my opinion like there were a lot of things that i think he did which uh were a little suspect i don't think he's gonna run if trump runs uh because they're too similar i feel like he's kind of a trumpy as as a lot of people call him he squeaked out the florida governorship over the uh, democratic candidate i forget his name is andrew something but he barely won that governorship by the skin of his teeth uh i think he's gonna be an interesting character if he does run like if i was a journalist i would really like to cover him i think he'd be really fun uh i think of him as kind of a slightly more well-spoken and like seasoned politician than donald trump uh but he's very very extreme in his views so people got to watch out there i think if you're if you especially if you're on the left okay and the last two i want to talk about really quick that are kind of similar but also not are trump jr and mike pence okay i think if his dad doesn't run donald trump jr is i mean don't you think he gives it a shot? Don't you think Mike Pence is like, screw it, let me give it a shot? He's kind of been hinting that he wants to run. 
he's been in New Hampshire and stuff too. So like, I don't know, maybe he's, maybe he's testing the waters a little bit. I have no idea what's going on there. But honestly, though, I think if Trump Jr. were to run, he has a limited to no shot, I think, at, at doing anything in this election. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, like I said, I think his dad has more of a shot than he does at running for this. But honestly, like I wouldn't be that scared of Trump Jr. because I don't think he'd make it very far. He'd kind of be like a Jeb Bush figure in 2016, in my opinion. Mike Pence is the one that you should be fucking worried about. I think in my opinion, I would be, I am very worried if Mike Pence runs uh, because he's one of those people that has a very strong Christian base of like, you know, a lot of conservative people could really get behind Mike Pence. Um, he He's one person you really don't want in the final election. Cause he could, you know, cause I think he could win. And also when he's in office, he could do some shit. He was associated with Donald Trump. And I think he's scarier than Donald Trump, in my opinion. At least Donald Trump will say it to your face. Mike Pence won't tell you anything and he'll just screw everybody. Uh, Mike Pence, yeah, like I said, Mike Pence is scary. He does have a contingent that would very strongly back him. And he's very, very Christian. And I just personally can't get with that. As someone who's not really that religious, I cannot get with the fact that he's that Christian and he wants to implement that within the government. But I think it's going to be really, really hard uh, for him to win. Even like, even though I said like, if he makes the general election, I think he does win. I think it's going to be hard for him to get there, especially since the last, you know, since the Capitol riots and all of that. He went with Trump, and uh, he also like went with Trump in saying that like the election was rigged and all of that stuff, and that made him look pretty bad and unpopular. So I don't think that I think that is going to be his uh, ultimate downfall is the way that he acted uh, in the last days, the final days of the Donald Trump presidency. So we'll see. Okay. So predictions, where do we see all this stuff? I know I talked about Novak for like 15 minutes and then I talked about this whole election for like 30. Okay. Let's roll this out. What, what is the ultimate takeaway here from all of this? My predictions as to what is going to happen with this whole shebang. I gave you really early presidential candidate predictions that may not be true at all. None of these candidates could run who knows. And, um, I also gave you the whole Novak Djokovic situation. Okay. So let's do it. What are my predictions? What are Anuj Chingabi's predictions? I do not believe that Novak Djokovic is going to play the Australian Open. At this rate, the way it's going, the way the appeal is going, the, the fact that he's only going to literally have 24 hours, like they're going to have to only have 24 hours to decide whether he plays in the tournament. Like, I don't think he's going to play. I just, I have a feeling, I could very well be wrong, but I have a feeling that Djokovic isn't going to play. That's my personal prediction. Okay. That's the prediction for that. But my predictions for the general election, my way too early predictions for 2024, let's get into it. This is probably wrong. But if Donald Trump doesn't run in 2024, I think Liz Cheney might have a shot at the Republican nomination. I don't know, but I have a really good feeling. I have a feeling that she is going to make some noise. She's going to try to get more Democrats on her side. She's going to start to moderate a little bit. I think Liz Cheney has a real shot at the election in 2024. I think so. But who do I know? What, like, what do I know? She couldn't, she, there's a, a possibility she doesn't even run. I have no idea. But... I have a feeling that Liz Cheney could run. But who do I, Anuj, want to run from the GOP? Mitt Romney. Mitt 
Romney, let's go, let's go. I, I really hope it's Mitt. I really do hope it's Mitt from the GOP. Um, if he does run, I, you know, I gotta say, I would, you know, definitely look into his stuff a lot, lot more. I have, and I really do agree with a lot of what he says, but we'll see. We'll see if Mitt runs. I don't think he will. He's too comfortable in the Senate. But if he does, if Anuj got what he wanted, Mitt would run. But actual election prediction for real. Actual election prediction that I think could very well happen. I think I'm going to stick to this. I think it's Donald Trump. And if by I think Donald Trump wins the GOP if he runs easy. But I think uh, on the Democratic side, if Joe Biden doesn't run, and this is a hot take, this is a hot take. I'm not confident in it, but I have a feeling. This is based on absolutely nothing. I think it's Donald Trump versus AOC in 2024. Uh, just based on the way this country is functioning right now, the fact that we are in such political opposites the country's more divided than ever. And we had Joe Biden kind of as this like uh, buffer president of sorts to be like, oh yeah, you know, like everything's okay, but it's not. I think we're going to go back to being divided. And I think Donald Trump versus Alexander Ocasio-Cortez is going to be the perfect division between it all. I genuinely believe that AOC has the base. She has the run. She has the story. Like people are going to connect with her enough so that she wins the Democratic primary. But is she going to win the general election? I have no freaking idea. No idea. Not confident, but I think that's going to reflect the state of the country. And it, I think it'd be really reflective as to who we are. An election that I think would be so fascinating would be Cheney versus AOC. I think Liz Cheney versus Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would be the most interesting election anyone has ever covered. Because, I mean, it's just like, you, it'd just be so polar opposite. Like one's from a political family, the other one's self-made, like one's conservative, the other one's like liberal, you know, it's like two women, like it's, it would be mind bending and mind blowing, but also like crazy divisive, I think, in my opinion. I think that'd be such a fun election to cover as a journalist. Uh, Cheney AOC would be like fun for me as like a, as a person who likes to see like people react and, you know, politics and stuff. But I think genuinely what the election that'll happen is probably Donald Trump. And again, if Joe Biden doesn't run, I think AOC has a real shot, but I, but I could be wrong, but I think I could be wrong. I think AOC would be Kamala Harris. I really do. I think she has, she has the momentum to do so, but that's my way too early predictions. That doesn't matter. Uh, that's it. That's all I have. Thank you guys so much for st sticking with me. Emergency podcast finished. If you guys like this episode, feel free to like it on YouTube or whatever. Go enjoy your Friday nights. Uh, follow me on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. You know the deal. All my links to social media will be down below. So go follow me on IG. Everywhere my handle is The Changavi Show now. So very easy to follow. If you want to email me, Show at gmail.com. You want to text no, no, not text me. You want to DM me, The Changavi Show on Instagram, The Changavi Show on Twitter, The Changavi Show on TikTok. Go follow, go like, go subscribe, go enjoy your weekend because this is Wildcard Weekend and it's about to be litty. And I, I figured I had to do a little emergency podcast because this Novak Djokovic stuff has been on my mind. And also I wanted to talk, talk to you about my political findings that I've spent the last three days just looking through. So go enjoy your weekends. Enough time with me. I'm done. Thank you guys so much for listening. Appreciate every single one of you. Love y'all. Stay safe. Have a great weekend. Peace.